0: You know, on the way in this morning, I met a lot of people who are here for the, like, the first time ever. So I want to make sure that you guys that are real first time, second time, feel really welcome and at home. Don't worry, we're not going to point you out. Um, but if you drove up here from Gunnison, can you just show us? Come on. Yeah, that's a long way. <laughs> that's a community. Thank you for, yeah, the view's not that great from up there, Steph. When you're up here, you want to come back here, you guys. So uh, it finally let up; the snow let up a little bit. It's been nice. Uh, I went for the first time; I got to go up on the uh, the north face lift this week. And if you you know if you're six seven and you ride the north face lift, basically with anybody else, it's funny <laughs> because uh, no kidding, a normal sized human being with me. The, the bar is like right above the bottom of my, the, my knee, you know, right there. And it just kills. By the time I get up there, I'm like, oh, oh, you know. And uh, so that's a funny thing to see if you ever happen to be in line behind me and that. But there, this North Face list was funny. It was, it was full. The, the maze was full of people coming out the back when I showed up there. And uh, so um, there were a couple of people that fell off, you know, and somebody gets launched. That's always hilarious, because he just gets sprung. He's always a snowboarder, too. <laughs> <clears throat> you passed that. Um, and uh, the, uh, so we saw a couple people get sprung, and the whole crowd's like cheering and laughing and making comments and stuff like that. And then the unthinkable happened. You know, there's the, line, there's the uh, ski patrol line. Some dude cruises in the ski patrol line to get up front. Okay, somebody's already reacting to that. Because, like, it was amazing. This guy had a red jacket on. And, I mean, as soon as he got to the corner, it was like, and I was close to the front, there was this chorus of, red jacket to the back of the line. So many people called this guy out in front of everyone. And and those of you who've been there, you know exactly why and what. Even though it wasn't going to add, like, one second to our our weight, it was not acceptable. You just don't do it. It's a no-no. So finally, that guy was like, and he like meekly went out. No comment. Just skied to the back, and I guess he got in the line. Um, I lost track of him because of the pain in the back of my knees as so I was going up. <laughs> there, there are certain things that we know are right and wrong, and we all agree about it. And honestly, I, it is one of the more fascinating things that people can say that there's no God, that there's no right and wrong, that there's, and then call out right and wrong. It's so strange to me. Anyway, it was my, my big observation for the week. We're in a series, right, I'll come back to that in a minute, but we're in a series right now where we're, we're talking about what our church is about. So who we are, what the church is about, and especially this church, this little church right here. And reconciliation is this key word that we use for our mission. The thing that we are mostly about, that we are after, is we want to help people have the opportunity to be restored in their relationship with God. That's what we're about. That's what Christians should be about. We help people be restored in their relationship with God. The thing is that, that restoration came because of God's initiative, and actually all that he did, it, it was all him making it possible at great cost to bring us into relationship with himself. All we offer, all we bring to the table there is faith is belief. That's it. And so we, this, is, this idea of reconciliation is behind everything that we're doing. But there are these four core values that we want to make sure kind of get into your head. We have little pictures for them. I'm not sure that we have them today, but uh, we go together. We're in a community together, except for that one. Yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> it's okay, guys. Your pay is going to be reduced. Um yeah, we go together. We're a community of, of people going together with our community, and we're trying, in that process, we are walking towards Christ. And then uh, let's do, we have, uh, let's do, <laughs> we pass the baton. All right. Yeah, so we're, we, what we do is we are, we are bringing people closer to Christ by helping them move forward through discipleship. And we want to introduce people to Jesus, we want to help them grow and move to maturity. And I think if you're even in this room, you're at least wondering what does that look like and how can I find that place? What's that pathway? And that's what this is about. We pass the baton. And then the other, let's see, we're, today, so we, we're going to talk about we abide in Jesus. Um, and the other one is... Heat light. We're heat and light. Thank you. Um, so uh, this means that we have, we're, we're like, well, I like the little campfire picture. We're a, a warm place in the community where, where people can feel the love of Christ that's who we are. We'll talk more about that another time. But today, we're going to talk about what it means to abide in Jesus. It's another piece of the, this uh, DNA that's a, that makes up who we are. I, uh, I know that women are talking at, at the retreat are talking about this same topic. And Carrie, who's leading that, said, hey, Scott, why don't you go ahead and talk about abiding because they're, they're not going to need to hear from you one more time. Women don't always need to hear what I have to say, I've discovered. Um, so... Uh, yeah, it's taken me a long time, but I figured that out. Uh, but we're, we're going to talk about that, and they're going to be looking at the, the idea of abiding. It, the word comes up many times in the scripture, but it comes up later in the book of John, towards the end, where uh, where Jesus is in the this uh, uh, Last Supper with his disciples, and he's talking to them, and he's sharing with them this concept of abiding. But we're going to be a little bit earlier in the book of John, in chapter 8. So if you have a Bible, if you want to flip open to that, we'll put it up here. I'm going to read to you from John eight thirty one. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We're the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become, we, you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave, does, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So a couple of questions here form up the main point of what I want to talk to you about. One is, what does it mean, what do we learn from this passage about what it means to abide in Jesus What can we see about that? And and then Jesus makes this uh, promise. He says, When you abide in me, in the end you will be free. So what does it mean that we're free when we abide in Jesus? So that's what we're gonna dig into. There there are a lot of questions that, that I think this passage naturally raises if you when we'll go through them and look at them, but you know, what does it mean to abide? What does it mean to abide in Jesus? You know, I don't know if any of us could just answer that right away. What does it mean to abide? Uh, what does it mean to be free? What are we being freed from? If we need to be free, then we must be entrapped in some way. And how would this change my life? How does it change my life if I abide in Jesus? What's the difference? So, as we walk through this and we're asking those questions, we're saying, what does it mean to abide? Three things. I'm going to outline the passage like this. The promise the rejection and freedom. Promise, rejection, and freedom. So that's how we're going to see it unfold. So let's talk about this promise. Jesus makes this big, long promise with a lot of content in it in the first verse that we read in 31. So look at all the pieces of this. He's talking to these Jews who had listened and were really paying attention to him. So he wants to say something significant to these people. He says, he said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide, it's like this kind of a process, like dominoes, it sounds like. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Have y'all ever heard that statement before? You'll know the truth. It's one of those kind of common Bible verses. It, it's, a, you know, it's in the crest of Harvard, you know, back when Harvard was established for a different purpose. Um, but before we get to this word abide, we're going we're to take this apart and, and look at what this means. Before we get to that, there's one word right at the beginning of Jesus' uh, statement that's really important to understanding who God is and how Jesus, God in the flesh, works. It says, if. It says, if. This is huge about the, who this person is that's offering. It's an offer. It's not a command. It doesn't say, when you do what I say. When you're under my thumb, when you're, the, you know, it doesn't say that. It says if there's a choice here in front of you. That is a bu- that is one of the greatest misunderstandings that we have about who this God is in, in that we think we are forced in those of us who are exploring and thinking about this relationship with Jesus. I mean, am I being forced into this? Is this something where I have no control? Am I just a... Uh, upon, he says, if, not when, if. And he's offering something very good. So we were coming to a crossroads with Jesus, and I think each one of us, a different place, wherever we are, are in this place where Jesus is confronting us. And we are making choices. He says, if you will abide in me. You know, going back to that maze idea, you know, all of those people were in that line because they knew there was something awesome at the top, right? And it was. It was incredibly cool at the top. And it's, it's almost like, it, 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 as if the only way to get to the top, if that was true, if there was only one way to get to the top, and it was through that maze, we have that choice. You can choose the maze and go up, or you can not choose but there's a good thing up there. And this is an offer, not a command. And so we need to see that in the way this story unfolds. When Jesus says, if, it's a really big deal. About, and it shows a lot about his character. But he says, if you abide in my word. So those of you who are like you know, theologians and biblical scholars, there's a whole lot in this passage and what this idea of the word is. What does he mean to abide in my word? Remember at the beginning of John Uh, Same book, it says that Jesus is the Word. There is a sense in which in this passage, Jesus is saying, if you abide in my Word, means, when he says, if you abide in my Word, he's saying, if you abide in me because I am the word, okay? It also does mean, if you know what I've said, if you walk with me, if you abide, like we'll talk about abiding in just a moment, but the whole idea that we need to be sure to see is that his word is not a list of rules, his word is himself, okay? So as this starts to unfold, he says, if you abide in my word, means if you abide in me. So let's talk about what it means to abide. And it's a cool word in the in the Bible. It's all used all the way through. But abide means to remain or to stay or to rest in a place. And I, it's kind of a pretty word too, I think. There's the, something that in us for me at least when I hear, hear the word abide, it it gives an idea of peace and gathering almost like if I had to describe it it'd be like gathering around a fireplace. You know, abiding, that safe and warm place. And I think that idea is is consistent with the scripture, although I don't think he's talking about a fireplace right here. I do think that he is talking about this safe place that we would stay, that we remain in that place, that we abide there. It's where our deepest roots are. When we're abiding, the deepest part of our soul is in that place. You know, I've noticed something about people in Crested Butte. I don't know if this is true, and for you Gunny people, maybe it is, but a lot of people will, will be here and they'll say, I'm going to uh, take a trip, I'm going home. Have you noticed that? Because almost very few people actually grew up here, right? So they'll say that. They'll say, yeah, I'm going I'm to go down to the airport, I'm going home. Because there's another place that their roots still hold them, right? There's this idea of home. For Claire and I, you know, we, we're from Dallas. Don't hold that against us. Um, and uh, we're both, both Claire and I are fourth generation Dallas people. So that's from the very beginning of the city of Dallas. So way back. Our roots go way, way back. And then our kids are fifth generation. So when we decided to come here, we had to pull up the roots. And so we sold everything that was there because we wanted to make this our home. This is going to become our home. And we didn't want to have a toe in the water in another place, right? We made a significant decision to pull ourselves out of that and to come here. So when Jesus says, if, if you choose to abide in me, he is saying, abiding in me is pulling up your roots and putting them in my house. Not keeping a toe out there. But pulling up your roots and making me your home, your safe place, your refuge, the place where you will stay, where you will remain, where you will find peace. He's asking you to move. He's asking me to move to his house. It becomes our new place of origin. The place that we really truly call home. It's the place where we have freedom. And as we'll talk about in a minute, are adopted into a new family. So this I would propose to you that we are all abiding somewhere. All of us are abiding somewhere. In the deepest part of us, we are looking for a place where, in in acting on that search, where we're where we are putting our hope in something we're we're moving into that place where we're trying to put our roots and hoping that it sticks like success or moving to a beautiful place or our athletic ability or a relationship or the hope for a relationship or a hope for a healed relationship or hope for health all these these I'm wondering, I'm asking you, where is the place that you are abiding? Because I think we need to ask ourselves that question. If Jesus is offering us a, a pathway to abide in him, then there must be a place, another place that we may be abiding. What is that thing or that place for you? Uh, and I want to challenge you to really try to answer that question. We're going to have communion in a few moments, and we'll have a, an opportunity to just meditate for a few moments, but uh, if you're a believer, if you're already someone who has chosen to abide in Christ and following Him by faith, if you're in that place, we still somehow decide to leave that home. We don't lose our identity within that home, but we choose to go out and and go back to those little places that we used to abide. And if you're looking and you're saying, okay, I don't, still don't know about this Jesus. Thing, I don't know if that makes sense to me. Pulling up my roots and put it all in. I, you know, I don't know. Well, I, I guess the question is, is, is the place that you continue to go and abide, is that working for you? Are those things working for you? Is that image working for you? Is that hope working? Jesus is offering something permanent. And there's another thing he says. He says, uh, "He says you'll be my disciples. When you abide in me, you'll be truly, you'll be my disciples. So there is a, a place w- that abiding is, that is resting and is security and is like being around that warm fire. But a disciple is a follower and a follower is moving and actually acting. So there is some kind of combination of the fact that... Um, our faith, when we follow Christ, when we're followers of Him, His, and we are abiding Him, we're actually uh, doing something that reflects our faith in our life. Okay, so if if you're thinking showing up at church is taking care of it, you may be misunderstanding what it means to abide. We're followers of Christ, and you need to. See, we need to see both of those. You'll become my followers, my disciples. And He says one other little thing there. He says, and this is the word that is kind of the promise, that final part. He says, if you abide in me, a few things, you will find freedom. I will give you freedom. So he's implying that they need freedom, that they need to be released from something. The... uh, remember that? There's a Bible story Jesus tells. He says, there's a guy who builds his house on a rock and it's firm and the the storms come and it can't be taken away. Do you remember that? And then another guy who builds his house on the sand and the storms come. It's it's so easy to put all of our hope in something that is impermanent and temporary. It's like a a shelter that will not last. It will not last, and th- and this is the place that these these uh, these. I, I guess I'll, instead of abiding places, I'm going to call them temporary shelters. It's like we build. Uh, another way of looking at this maybe is it's like we build some. Have you ever seen those those uh, bottles where they build a ship inside the bottle? There's a guy in there working. And that thing, and then he gets done with that and it's in the bottle and it gets on a shelf forever Right? <laughs> you might have one of these at home it's almost like we build our life in this little bottle of one thing we think it's going to be perfect in there but there's all this life going on outside that, got, that Jesus is talking about but we're, we're trapped inside this little place he's saying I'm going to bring you freedom freedom from, from this temporary shelter that you have built. And then he says something that's, uh, that's kind of tough. Uh, he, when he tells us that, and he's going to call it sin in a minute, it can be offensive to us. Um, when he says that there's another place that you can be that is free, and all of us are thinking, the places that I have established are where I find freedom. C.S. Lewis says it like this: He says it's almost like we're a, a child who's in the side yard of their house on a dreary day, and is offered a trip to the beach. And they say, and the child says, "You know, I've never been to the beach, and I don't know what that's like. So I'd rather stay here and make my mud pies." This is the, this is the mentality that we have where we are. We're continuously drawn to the thing that is impermanent. But I think I've uh, I've communicated that. So, then he says, he says, the truth is what will make you free. And what does he mean by the truth? I feel like, and I apologize for this, I feel like this is a list of definitions, but I hope that they'll sink into your head, into your heart. Um, The truth is that we are are in a place where we are unadopted when we do not know Jesus and we are not abiding with him. And he is offering to bring us into that relationship and that is the reconciliation that we're talking about as our mission of our church. And the truth is that you and I we worth the cost of Jesus dying for us to bring us into relationship with himself. The Bible says if you were the only person that existed, Jesus would still have done what he did for you. In other words, the truth is that you need to be reconciled. I need to be reconciled and made right and be made able to abide in Jesus. But it's it's an offer that he gives and pays for at his own cost, at great cost. And you and I were worth that cost. That's the truth. So if we put all that together, we become his disciples when we abide in him and we'll know the truth. The truth is the gospel, that thing that brings us into relationship with him. And the truth will make us free. We're no longer trapped in that place that we think is going to continually make us happy or fill us up. But instead, we are abiding in a place where we are free. But the, then, so that's the promise Jesus makes. But then there's this rejection, and it's the strangest thing. Look at it in verse 33. So they answer Jesus, and they say, we're the, We are offspring of Abraham. In other words, we're Jews, and you know that. And we've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Now, if you know anything about the history of the Jewish people, you know that they were enslaved many times over. So it's very strange for them to say this. I mean, the crux of their whole relationship with God is based on this, their rejection and enslavement. And in fact, they're under the Roman rule, right, under Roman rule right now. They're not actually enslaved, but they're very close to that. And in their minds, it almost feels the same. So it was really odd for them to say that. I always think it's funny when somebody says to me, hey, you know, we're having a conversation, getting to know somebody, Claire and I, my wife, and and uh, they'll say, well, how did y'all meet? And I think it's funny every time to say, I don't remember. And, you know, of course, everybody's like, man, you're a real jerk, but they laugh, and <laughs> Claire's over it, but I, you know, the more times you say a joke, the funnier it is. Right, guys? <laughs> it's it, was, it must have been odd when they said that, because all of, these are Jews, and they're all, there's apparently a big group of people here, and they're saying, oh yeah, we've never been enslaved. It's like me saying, I don't remember meeting Claire. This major part of my life, I do absolutely remember every single detail of that, even though it was 30 years ago. I remember it exactly like it happened. What they're saying is, you know, Jesus, despite everything, we don't need you because we got this. It was a strange thing to say. When, you, when I read this passage, I, it doesn't really jump out like that, but it was really strange for them to say that. I think we do the same thing because we say when we come to Jesus, there's a moment where, where each of us probably have been or are or, or thinking about. And, and we have this choice, if you will abide in me. And we're like, I got it. You know, I can do this. I'll try this again. I'll try it again. I'll hope for that again. I'll do this again, rather than abide in you. It's almost like we're doing that same thing. But Jesus cuts right through it. He gets right to the point with them. He doesn't talk about their heritage or anything else. He talks about where they are in relationship to God. He says, he says in 34, Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Okay, where is he going with that? What is? What is? Why did he bring that up? What is? How did that? How does that fit in? I thought we were talking about abiding and freedom. How does sin fit into this? And just to take a step back, just for a second, the word sin for me is a tough one. I don't know about for you. If you're seeking and wondering about Jesus, I think it is a tough word because our culture and our the church over time has taken that word and it it means that somebody else has it. It has become. This thing where somebody else has a right to judge you. You are a sinner. You are bad. Right? And so when I hear the word sin, I'm like, I don't know. But I know that that it's critical to our understanding of our relationship with God. And here's the thing. Jesus isn't saying, even though he has the right to judge, what he's doing is saying, I'm offering you freedom. Do you see the difference in the message of Jesus and the message of the word sin that comes from the church? Whether we we have adopted from literature and from, we have this idea of, of sin as, as just being condemnation. Sin does mean that we're in the wrong place. We're the guy trying to go the wrong way and getting called out. But, Jesus is not condemning, he's offering. There's a, there's a huge difference here. He's making a a simple proposition. He says, if you've chosen sin and you have chosen sin, then you're living under that because you've chosen against me and I'm offering you a different way. Sometimes we just don't see the seriousness of sin. One other quick anecdote I want to share with you is when I was first dating Claire, it it may have been my first trip to see her. I lived in Uh, One part of Texas, she lived in Austin. It was like four hours apart. I went over there, great weekend. Uh, I'm driving home and I get pulled over and I get arrested. And um, (laughs) I get, so this isn't really going well. Um, She's like, who is this? Of course, our mom's freaking out. Well, it turns out that I just had not paid a inspection sticker ticket, you know, months before. But I get hauled like two and a half hours in the back of a police car with my hands cuffed and put through the whole system. Put in the thing. I have to call my friends who live two hours away to come bail me out of jail. There's all this cost associated with it. Now you know we can get frustrated by that, by those things that happen that don't seem to be fair. I mean, an inspection sticker. Come on. However, that's the law, and we all get it. Sin has consequences. Wrong has consequences. This is, this is the rule that we live under. We all understand it. But we want to say that it doesn't exist and I'm not involved in it. That's what I tell Jesus. I say, you know, I've got this. And he says, no, no. I'm offering you something other than the sin you continually to self-destruct in. I'm offering you this. I'm not coming here to... J-. And he, it's so cool. They slap him in the face... Basically, and say, you know what? We've never done anything wrong. We've never been enslaved. We're just great. And he, his whole purpose for coming was to die because of what they had done. And he just turns around and says, no, no, I'm offering you this. It's, it's amazing how easily we can identify, I think, with the people, the people of Israel. Israel. Okay, the third thing, they reject him, but then he's, he's still trying to describe this idea of freedom to them, and I'll, I'm about to close on this. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. If the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's a, that's a cool verse. I love the way that sounds. If the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. There's something that brings peace about that. It's like a welcome. I really I really like that. If we choose to abide in Jesus, we are no longer under the old regime where we have to choose all of these things to fill us up, these temporary shelters. A lot of those temporary shelters, y'all, success, athletic ability, my business, my spouse, my hopes for a spouse, whatever, all those things are great, they're good things. But they come after abiding in Jesus. So I guess the, uh, the question is where? are you abiding? Where are you abiding? Are you okay on your own? Are you okay making these decisions? Are the symptoms of your independence a constant stress to you? But Jesus isn't offering you that. We choose that. He's offering us freedom. He's not offering to judge us. He's offering to give us a safe place of relief, of restoration, of rightness with God. So what I want to do is is ask the people who are going to help with communion, if y'all will grab the elements back there. You guys can come on up. So... Later in the book of John, when Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's serving them, he serves them this meal, and he says, when you take this meal, remember me. Remember, what I'm, remember now after the next day what I have done for you. Right? So I want to encourage you as you're taking a moment when you come up, if you decide you want to come up. I want to encourage you to ask yourself, where am I abiding? Have I Am I, am I saying I just want to control this? Or are you willing to say I want to abide in Jesus? And the, the only step, y'all, on our part to abide in Jesus is faith. That's it. He brings us into his home then, adopts us. So the way we do this here, you guys can come on up. The way we do this here is you, if you want to come forward, you come forward when you're ready. Take the elements and head back to your seat, and we'll take them together. Let me just ask you to meditate on those questions. I'm going to pray, and then come forward when you're ready. Lord, uh, I pray that each of us, Lord, would would take a moment to think about deeply abiding in you. We thank you for what you've done to make that possible and that you only ask uh, faith from us. So Lord, may we uh, may we contemplate that now. Lord, let us uh, be aware of what it is we are trying to abide in and seek you. And it is in Jesus name that we pray. Amen.